When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Purple Podcast on location from Vikings training camp in Mankato. We have plenty to discuss as the Vikings get started with their first day of full squad practices this afternoon. We heard from Teddy Bridgewater for the first time in about 11 months this morning, and we'll certainly get into that as well as all the goings on with the Vikings this week. I'm Ben Gessling from ESPN, joined by Judd Zolged and Matthew Collar from 1500 ESPN. This will be the last podcast with this lineup as I make my transition to the Star Tribune next week. But uh, guys, as we... Uh, bit a, a very sentimental farewell to one another, at least to me. I guess you guys are still doing this after this. But uh, plenty to talk about with Teddy Bridgewater, who, who took the podium, said he's not worried about this being the end of his career, said that he is uh, still not quite sure when he's going to be able to get back and that that's going to be a decision for doctors, but uh, certainly tried to sound optimistic as I think we thought he would. Guys, what were your takeaways from Bridgewater's press conference today? Mostly that we didn't get anything definitive from him in any way, shape, or form. Not even, I'm hoping to come back this year, which is what I was listening really close for. Would he even hint that he could be activated at some point this year or give us an idea of when he could return to practicing or a number of other possibilities of what is your timeline? And there was nothing but giving it one day at a time, trying to rehab aggressively, and on and on and on, which makes you think that nothing is really different from where we stood before today's press conference was my expectation is we probably won't see him this year. I guess my, my first thought going in was, was, is Teddy going to try and give us an optimistic uh, storyline for himself, which to me would, would have maybe placed a little bit of pressure on the team immediately to be like either we got to back off that or yeah he he is ahead of schedule um instead i think what we heard is so far everyone on the same page which is to say you know they're saying day by day the team i'm sure the team was ecstatic that teddy took the message they wanted uh so we didn't hear a lot today but I think the most important thing was was I came away with more than ever right now believing, Ben, that there's a good chance that he does not play at all in 2000 and 
17, and that there's a very good chance that he spends the entire year on the pup and that he comes back next year with a told contract and takes a chance again, either with the Vikings if Bradford has a bad season and or somewhere else. But I very much thought that this was a press conference that the Vikings probably said, bravo, you handled it perfectly from our end. Well, I think a press conference that's been that long in the making and undoubtedly had that many meetings before it happened is going to be very manicured. We know that. They, I'm sure that there was a lot of discussions about this is what's going to get asked, this is how you should respond to this, this is the, the, the tone we want to strike, or the tone that he wanted to strike probably helped to be shaped by the team to some degree. But uh, I did think there were a couple of things that I thought were very interesting. He got asked at one point about coming back to the Vikings, and he said something about, I just want to play football again. Did not say necessarily, oh, I want to be the Vikings starting quarterback. Uh, you know, I, 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 the, He left the window open a little bit, and I'm not saying that he's trying to angle to get out of here, but he did leave the window open to the reality that he may not be the starting quarterback again and that it may be somewhere else that he does have to continue his career. I thought that was very interesting, and I also thought uh, just in light of what we found out this week with Sam Bradford saying there's been no – new developments with my contract, they clearly are going to let this play out, at least for a little while, and see where things go from there. I I did think with Bridgewater that he made it very clear, I'm going to play again. He he said, you know, I kind of tried to ask him about that late in the press conference. He, he was sounding very hopeful, and, and you try to figure out, is that Teddy being hopeful, or have doctors actually given him a good reason to be hopeful? And I, I asked him, have doctors told you there's a chance your career will have to be over. And he said, not at all. So it sounds like, at least from what he said, if you take it at face value, the doctors have not said you can't get back from this, that it may take a while, but you are going to be able to get back from that. I think that's kind of the parameters he's working in. And uh, He was, I think, realistic about the possibility that it may not be here, but he did make it very clear that he he thinks he's going to play football again. I also noticed that before he said, I leave everything to my agent when it comes to the pup list and the contract and everything else, he said, I know what's going on. Meaning, like, I'm not going to really say anything about this today, but I am very aware of all the circumstances that could play out. And he's probably prepared himself for that possibility that he could end up playing somewhere else or that this could play out with him returning to the starting quarterback or that they might not believe that he can ever play again. I mean, it seems like all the different possibilities that are on the table, of which there are many, that Bridgewater gets that um, there is a business side to this entire thing and that the Vikings might not uh, be able to trust, even if doctors clear him, they might not be able to trust that he can come back as their starting quarterback. Yeah, I think he's a pretty smart guy in general. I think he's got a pretty good handle on the business side of things. I think he's pretty realistic about all that. So I don't think there's any kind of dewy-eyed optimism there. In being smart, though, it's interesting because he knows full well that if the Vikings are as successful as the team would like to be, he's done here, right? I mean, if the Vikings, if, right. if the Vikings have the year that they want, with, with the quarterback that they have picked for now, who's got his coordinator, who's got a redone backfield, a redone offensive line, if they achieve the ultimate success that they are hoping for offensively, Teddy's done here. I mean, he might play again, but he's not go- going to play here. So it's got to be a weird situation when, when one, you're probably, you probably think that you're going to play again. You might not be absolutely certain, but you think that you will. But you also know that the organization that you're with 
if they are, if they have the success that they aspire to, are going to say to Bradford, here's a long-term contract because you earned it, in which case it, if Bridgewater plays again, he's going to have to be traded and or let go and play somewhere else. Yeah, but the weird thing here is that the job security of the people that drafted Teddy Bridgewater, and in Mike Zimmer's case, the people that like, like well, the word Mike Zimmer would use is love, Teddy Bridgewater the most in this organization, the job security of those people depends on... Teddy Bridgewater, in some ways, not getting this job back, right? I mean, it, yes, it depends on Sam Bradford having a good enough year to stake himself to the job long term, which then keeps Rick Spielman's job safe. It keeps Mike Zimmer's job safe. But it also probably then means that Bradford is your guy going forward. I don't, I don't think if Bradford has a good year, takes him to the playoffs, that they're going to say, all right, we're going to turn around and, and go back to Teddy. I, I suppose they could. If Teddy did enough that you felt confident in his health and, and everything else, that you, you could do that. But that would seem to be a, a pretty brash move with your quarterback, and the Vikings typically are not the kind of team that is brash with their key players, especially at that position. I've been trying to think about what type of stats and what type of record Sam Bradford would have to have to assure himself that position for a very long time. Like, would it have to be... 10 wins but also he has to look good doing it could it just be that he makes the playoffs and that would solidify it could it be that if he goes eight and eight but plays really well he still keeps his job or is it not really matter unless he's joe montana i mean if he has the same year he has last year and they go 11 and 5 is that going to be good enough for them to decide to stick with bradford or would they still turn back to teddy bridgewater if he's healthy enough my guess is is if they win 11 games, contend for the division title, and the offense becomes mid-pack, I think that they I think they franchise him or sign him. But yes, I think if if this becomes a playoff team and I and I don't think the offense has to be great. I think the offense has to be good. I think the offense has to look functional. There were a lot of times last year it, it did not. So I think if this offense is a functional offense that let's say they finish 15th and this team wins 11 games and makes the playoffs, I think Bradford is your quarterback going forward. And at that point, the question becomes, where does Bridgewater land next? Yeah, I mean, it's all of that is, is a ways from playing out yet, and, and the Vikings kind of said as much today. But it was also interesting to hear Mike Zimmer, who followed Teddy Bridgewater, at one point admit the prognosis was pretty bad. Mm-hmm when Bridgewater got hurt. And, and they tried to sound as, as optimistic as they could that day. But, I mean, there was a very somber mood around Winter Park that day. And uh, Mike Zimmer kind of alluded to it this morning that maybe it was at the time thinking, he's not going to be able to get back from this. I mean, and, and maybe as we kind of revisit the Bradford trade a little bit, I mean, maybe at that point the the set of facts they're working off of, even if they're trying to sound optimistic about Bridgewater's future, at that point, it might have been, hey, there's a pretty slim chance he's even going to be able to play again at all. So mm-hmm. when you look at it that way, maybe that changes the, the calculus a little bit in terms of who you go get if you're thinking we need a long-term quarterback now and, and if you're thinking we need a guy that is going to be able to play soon enough that everybody here keeps their job. I mean, that, I, I think that plays into it. They felt like they had the team to go after it and win last year, but you're not wanting to put the car in reverse and have some long-term quarterback, you know, go get Mitch Trubisky or something like that like the Bears did this year. You're wanting a guy that can step in. And at the time, when that was so close after the injury, 
maybe the set of facts they were working off of was uh, he may never play again. And Bridgewater mentioned that when he was in the ambulance with Eric Sugarman, that both of them, the way he put it was, had a conversation that made both of them very nervous. Which to me means it sounded like there was a real possibility he could have lost his leg. Which, Considering that, it's really quite incredible where we are right now talking about the possibility of him coming back if it was that serious when it happened. But if that's what Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer and this front office just saw and knew those facts that he might not even have a leg, much less play, they had to have been thinking, we need a solution not only just for someone to play quarterback this year, because it couldn't be Sean Hill. I think everyone agrees on that. But if it was Geno Smith or someone else to just come in for a little bit. Woof. It, right. Is that is that really going to be good enough? We need someone who has actually been a starting quarterback and has talent and try to put them in the right situation. And, you know, when we replay that uh, trade and how it wrapped up with an 8-8 eight eight record, we kind of do forget that um, – a lot of things happened after that trade that you could not have predicted. The number of injuries, for one, but also Adrian Peterson getting hurt and going out for the entire year. That was probably part of the equation that we expect to have a pretty good running game. At worst, maybe we average four yards a carry, and Peterson isn't quite what he used to be. Not we're going to have the dead last worst uh, in the league. So even though they knew, I'm sure at the time, that Sam Bradford had his shortcomings, as far as talent-wise goes, and a guy that would give you a chance to get into the playoffs and be competitive with a team that you had built up for so long, yep. he was the only guy that was going to be able to do that at that time. Yeah, I, I mean, I, w- I go back and say, no, no matter how it works out here, that was a good trade. Because when you looked at the available quarterbacks or the options, they were awful. And that was supposed to be a, a good Vikings team. So, I mean, that was not a team where you said, man, if they can win six or seven games, it's a great season. That was a team that had big-time aspirations and, of course, started off great and then fell apart after that. Do you? So do you guys, how convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt are both you that, that Teddy plays again? Because I do think the one interesting thing that we're talking about is we're talking about a guy that suffered a catastrophic injury for no reason that, that you can explain. If he yeah. had taken a hit, I'd be like, okay, that's too bad, but he took a big hit. But the, the weird dynamic that I keep coming back to is his leg blew up by itself so i'm not i'm not totally sold he plays again i think he believes he does and i believe that he could certainly go out and drop back and pass and things like that and and the leg can be stabilized but when you're talking about actual football games yeah i'm not completely sold well i mean it's it's i i guess i'm more convinced that he does play just based on the progress he's made to this point but i say that with the reality that there's still so many things that will determine that, that we haven't gotten to yet. I, I still think, I mean, if you were going to chart his rehab on a linear progression from last August 30th to whenever he plays again, timing-wise, we are probably more than halfway done with it. In terms of actual progress that has something to do with what you're going to do on the field, we're what, maybe 35%? I mean, there's still so many big important thresholds that he has to clear that are ultimately going to determine this that we have not seen yet and we don't know when we're going to see them and how do you even figure them out i mean when it comes to the real question do you just have someone drill him in practice (laughs) yeah take him out anthony Barr, and we'll see if he survives i mean you would never do that so uh, what game are you going to put him in 
You can't put him in a preseason game. Even if you played him in one Week 17 game, would that convince you that he was good to go for the rest of his career after what he's been through? How would you do it? How could you simulate it in practice? I remember last year, Ben, you asked uh, Mike Zimmer if he had seen anything from Taylor Heineke. And he said, I mean, he doesn't ever get to really take right. first-team reps. And I think of that with Bridgewater. How would you even give him first-team reps if you're fighting for a playoff spot with Sam Bradford as your main quarterback? You need him to be going through all that practice. The only yeah. way would be if Bridgewater got cleared in week, I don't know, eight, and then Sam Bradford got hurt and Bridgewater had to play the rest of the year. That's the only way you would really find out. And let's remember that at this point, the finances of this very, very much incentivize the Vikings not putting him on the field at all this mm-hmm. year. Yes. If you want Teddy Bridgewater in your future, your best play is to keep him off the field the entire year so that contract holds, and you have all of 2018 with him at $2 million, basically in terms of the cap hit, to see where he's at and to see if he can still be your guy. That If you put him on the field at all this year, he's a free agent in March, and then you either have to say he's our guy or open yourself up to the possibility that some other team might say, you know what? We don't know exactly where he's at, but he got back on the field, and we're going to take a chance because our quarterback situation is desperate enough that we're going to be willing to expose ourselves to that possibility. So is it six weeks on the pup, or is it the whole year on the pup? I have seen different things on that. I, I yeah. think... Now this this I think for, it's I've what I I believe it is is it's six weeks on the yeah. pop. PFT cited the CBA as being very clear six weeks, but what has been used ordinarily yes. as the gauge is the entire season. Okay. But it looks like there's a case to be made that the Vikings could easily say six weeks and that's it. Well, that could be a grievance, and thing. it could be a grievance. Yeah. Okay. But but from the way the CBA reads, the Vikings would win that grievance. So anyway, uh, that aside though. If you're the Vikings, maybe your perfect scenario here is one that seems really, really unlikely, which is that Sam Bradford is, say, franchise tagged, so you have him for next year. Teddy Bridgewater goes into the season as your backup at $2 million, so you're basically paying the same amount that you are now. Right. I mean, the franchise tag will bump it up a bit, but he's still got a huge cap hit for yeah. this year. And the cap will go up again. And then they battle for position in training camp. Half and half, and then we go into the seat. Like, all of this sounds like what you'd do if you could take any egos, any emotions, whatever. And agents. Don't and forget any, agents. Any agents, any distractions. If you could eliminate all of that, I think that's the best-case scenario for them. It just seems impossible knowing what we know. Well, and I, I still think that the, the, the other big complicating factor here is that if Sam Bradford is good, Sam Bradford gets a contract. I suppose you could franchise tag him, but... If Sam Bradford's really good, it would seem more prudent and more in the Vikings' way of thinking to give him a contract. But I think you'd prefer um, that you give him the long-term contract because then you can have the lower cap hit earlier on. And you can control And then it. potentially rework right. it later on right. down the road because the NFL salary cap is very flexible. Well, right. Now, the flip side to this, and I, I was kind of tap dancing a little bit because a couple of Vikings people were walking by and I didn't really want to get into this part of the scenario while they were here, but if Sam Bradford is not good, who's making the decision about his future next year? It might not be the people that are making decisions well, right sure. now. Now, here's my the thing that I always run into is what is not good? Like, is last year not good? Because it 
was at times well, sort of, but then at other times not so much, and that's really been his whole career. In, in what I think Ben is is saying, I think we're, we're talking about not good as in not your, winning games. as in your record is bad. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, but here's the thing that I, I think. I mean, yes, in a perfect world, Teddy's can go in 2018 and you pit him against Sam, but. No matter what teams say, the number one thing that teams and coaches hate are what? Distractions. Yeah. And so if you actually went into a training camp with a veteran quarterback against a guy coming back and pitted them against each other. But, hey, how about that new TCO Performance Center? Yeah. Everyone's showing up, and it becomes a distraction. And I honestly think, so if Bradford gets this team to the playoffs, I think you're talking about a situation where he has to be your guy. And and because – there's just no, there's no good way for this to play out with those two actually trying to compete for a job that's not going to become a massive, massive distraction. Yeah, it's just such an odd scenario because you have two it's guys who are first-round picks yes. that, it, it, I mean, it's not like it's, you know, uh, Brian Hoyer against Brandon Whedon or something like that. I mean, it's these guys are... I mean, I think that's what we saw in Cleveland a few years ago, where it's just yep. like, well, we don't know if either of these guys is that good, so we're just going to throw one of them out there. Or the there. Bills, in yeah. Collar's case. Yeah, Every year. anybody that the All Bills the have tried to trot out there. But, I mean, you have two guys that have been accomplished quarterbacks to some degree that probably have reason to say, I don't need to be competing for a job. I've I've yeah. proven myself. I, I don't have to go through this. And, you know, the retort to that is if you're under contract, yeah, you do, because we have your rights. But... It, it would be a very odd situation, and it certainly would run the risk of, of the big distraction term that NFL teams avoid, like the Black Plague. Don't you guys think, too, so uh, so a, a year ago, the, the, the Bradford uh, situation blew up on Condon, and, and Condon came out and said, you know, if you drafted Carson Wentz, trade Sam, and the fans all said, bleep you, Sam, yep. and it, 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 it got bad. Don't you guys think that the Vikings have basically told Condon, okay, here's what we're going to, to do? And Condon seemingly has gone along with, with the fact that this guy's going to be asked to play in the last year of his contract with an offense that fits him, and if he's successful, don't you think the, the Vikings, though, have said, okay, Tom, if he's successful, we're going to do right by him? I can't imagine the Bradford and Condon camp in back-to-back years yeah. being pushed around this much. Like, I'm surpri- I am a little bit surprised that, that no reports have surfaced that Condon at least said, let's broach an extension, and they haven't. I can't see back-to-back years where that camp just accepts things. So I got to think that if, if the Vikings screw with the situation in 2018, that there's going to be pushback because there's been none so far. Well, and, and not only was there no holdout for Sam Bradford, there was no threat of one. There was no rumblings of one. He came to camp complicit with the whole thing. He talked yesterday, said there's really been no new developments with my contract. It's not really on my radar. It's certainly going to be on Tom Condon's radar. So the fact that he showed up and and went along with things does make you think that there's been some discussions of, okay, here's our plan. Go along with this, and if you do well... We will do right by you. Bradford has to know that this all ends, no matter what t- you take in the pick-your-own-adventure, it all ends with, I make a lot of money. Yes. Right? Like, oh, okay, uh, you're going to franchise tag me? That's a lot of money. Or, okay, we made the playoffs, and long-term, that's a lot of money. You Teddy's, let me go. Teddy's back. I'm a free agent. That's a real, is, real lot of money. Yeah. If you're going to pay Mike Glennon and Brock Osweiler that, then what is Sam Bradford going to get 
And here's the other thing about Sam Bradford is that even when he's bad, he's sort of good enough to be okay, like to be thought of as a decent NFL quarterback, which will get him paid. That even if this year he has the same exact year as he's had the last two years, which I think is kind of probable, and he averages below average yards per attempt, but they're sort of in games, they're a 500 team, and he's got a good quarterback rating. If all those things happen again and he were to become a free agent, some other team that's a contender that needs a quarterback is going to say, all right, here's a ton of money because we know you can make us fairly competitive. They'll use the same logic as the Vikings. There isn't a scenario that I can see with, with him being the quarterback he is, unless he has another knee injury like he did before, where he doesn't get a giant bucket load of cash. Yeah, and it's not as though, I mean, he's talked about wanting to be here, that he likes it, and he's with, you know, he's with Pat Shermer, all of that, but he's been here not even a year yet. He's bounced around enough in his career. I, I don't know that he's going to be a guy that says, like, well, I have to be here my entire life. I mean, it's not like it's Chad Greenway where it's, I've been here my entire career and I'll rework my contract just so I can stay here. Sam Bradford's been enough of a vagabond that you wouldn't expect that, you know, the idea of staying in one place is going to be placed at such a premium that he's going to be that broken up about it. I mean, I think he understands that you kind of have to go somewhere else, and if you do, you roll with it and take your money and start for that team. And I think that the team did do right by him as well in this sense. Coordinator's his guy. Yep. The offense has been now gone from the, the you know Peterson offense to his. So I think I think the Vikings' message for this year could be very simply, Sam, we're going to give you all these components to succeed. Worst case, you're successful and you leave. So I, I think that they have they basically have could have sat him down and laid out a really good plan as far as his potential to be successful and and for for him to say okay if i do well and you switch back to teddy i go somewhere and get lots of money so i do think that i do think that the vikings have done right by now putting him into an offense that he can say is his i mean there's yeah. no confusion now there's no peterson there's no it might be this guy or that guy um, so that is the one thing where i think the team has has given him incentive because the offense is, as you examine it, clearly his baby. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they certainly have tailored this thing to give him every chance to be successful. And if he is, he's going to get rewarded by somebody. And if he's not, he'll probably still get paid by somebody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he probably right. will, exactly. His uh, comments were really interesting Maybe for the first time with Sam Bradford that his comments have been really uh, sticking out to me, what he said about the offense, about uh, going into last year or going into this offseason thinking, you know, the short passes, there were way too many of them. We need to find ways to get the intermediate throws. We need to be more balanced in our passing game. And we need to use someone like Jarek McKinnon in a multiple role where he's not just a running back, where he is lining up as a wide receiver and on and on. It was interesting to me to hear Sam Bradford basically diagnose all of the issues that they had on offense and say that those are the things that they're working toward. I think that may be the most confident that I have been listening to him or looking at this entire situation that there could be some changes in his game because I've mostly thought, I don't know if he's going to be any different, but... 
realizing the problem is the first step. And it sounds like he and Shermer have worked together uh, to try to solve some of those issues, along with Zimmer, who now is more involved in the offense. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly sets up to be the kind of year where they can make a decision on Bradford. And, and they have to be in that spot because with this Bridgewater thing, it you could be in a spot where he's forcing the issue, where he's healthy enough to at least think about coming back, and you're going to have to make a decision on all of that going forward. But uh, we're certainly not going to know anything, I don't think, anytime soon, like we're talking about. so There's so many steps that are still to come with Bridgewater that are going to ultimately decide this whole thing. I mean, it's interesting to hear what he said today, and, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what he's doing in rehab as he starts on the pup list here. But we, we've got a, and obviously a long way to go in this, and there'll be plenty of twists and turns to come. The other big story down here so far has been a contract extension. But not the one you thought was coming. <laughs> Xavier Rhodes, as of yet, has not received his money, though. I think that that will probably happen soon. Everson Griffin, instead, getting rewarded with a four-year deal, four-year extension yesterday, worth another $58 million. That, of course, then now has him under contract through 2022, when he will be 35 years old at the end of that contract. If he plays the whole thing out, he's here for 13 years, which... It's kind of crazy to think about given where his career started in Minnesota. What did you guys make of that contract, especially in light of what they have coming down the pipe with, with other deals in the future? So the, the extension was was four years in fake, basically, extension, right? It's two years for real with guaranteed money? No, it's... And then they can cut them well, in the last two years? Probably. I haven't seen the whole breakdown yet, uh, but... I, the Vikings being... the Vikings signed for another six years now. The Vikings being the Vikings, to me, are, are very savvy and smart when it comes to their own players who they have developed. And so it doesn't surprise me. But the thing about this uh, that I also sense is I think we are very wisely probably manipulating the salary cap, right? Yeah, I, oh, I yeah. mean, Brzezinski does a great job there. I don't there. think that would happen. And <laughs> I don't think anyone would do that, Judd. And I think what we are, I think what we are looking at is continuing uh, the Wolves, basically now tradition of giving extensions to guys who this team has dra- drafted and developed, uh, but just as importantly also playing around with the cap to make it as palatable as possible. This team financially from a contract scenario, very well run. So it didn't it didn't surprise me. I think Rhodes gets done next, and I won't be surprised if at some point before the end of, of this year there's at least w- one more extension. Yeah, I mean, they've basically got a list of guys coming up, not including Xavier Rhodes. The, uh, the following guys are up in 2018. Eric Kendricks, Stephon Diggs, Daniil Hunter, and Limbaugh Joseph, possibly Anthony Barr if he plays on his fifth-year option as well. So... Getting one of these done ahead of time probably uh, clears a little flexibility for some of those other deals that are yet to come. When can they start doing Kendricks and Hunter and Diggs? Anytime? Probably anytime. I mean, I I suppose in the case of certainly Hunter, I'm sure his camp would say, let's wait, let him have a monster year, and then go from there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they they could do it anytime. And both those guys have two years left on their... All of those guys have two years left on their rookie deals. So... That's going to be a lot of money. Yes, <laughs> I mean, it is. I, because the odd man out, though, to me, has to be Anthony Barr in this conversation for a long-term deal. Yeah, I would kind of think so. Un- unless unless he comes back now. If Anth- Anthony Barr can completely change the narrative back to a positive with a big year th- this year. I mean, if you go back to when he when he's effective, 
as we've discussed a lot, he's great. So that would be the interesting dynamic is if he comes back and he's used correct and he has a big year, that completely shifts that. I, I think forgetting 2016 would be very simple if he can go back to being the, the player that we saw before that. The, the weird thing with him, though, is what does that market look like? Because he, if he plays in that fifth-year option, he's getting $12.3 million, sure. I believe it is. And we've talked about it a little bit before, but most of the guys that get paid like that as linebackers are three, four pass rushers. You're getting paid for sacks and quarterback pressures. Sure, yeah. Anthony Barr was a top 10 linebacker, so that's why that option is so high in terms of where he was drafted. But the salary being that high is set by guys that play in a 3-4. So if he makes $12.3 million next year and then hits free agency, what does that market look like? Because he's not going to be a 10-sack-a-year guy. He's, he's rushing the quarterback 20 to 30% of the time. He means a lot to this defense, but is he a $12 million player in this defense? I, I'm not sure that he is. It, it's going to be odd to see how that market shapes up for well, him. That's where I'm so curious to see what they do schematically with him this year. If there's a change, if they start to move him to an edge rusher more often than they did before. Uh, Hasn't they, been very good at that, though. Yeah, He's been much better blitzing up the middle yeah. than he has been on the edge. But he's got all of those but that's sort the of question. traits, right? I mean, he's got he, the traits. It's just he hasn't developed the moves. He's got the length and he's got the power. Right, he has been better blitzing. But even if they used him in the Dante Hightower role of you're a middle linebacker, but you're blitzing all the time. Yeah. I mean, to me, that could end up with him being very effective as a rusher where he doesn't get 12 sacks, but sacks are not a great grade of how good someone is at that all the time. And they're not a big priority for Mike Zimmer in terms of an individual as well. Everything plays for this team off of the pass rush, pressuring the quarterback, making life difficult. Pressures is the key there. And and so if he's effective plowing through guards or whatever else this year and they're blitzing him or having him rush – you know, I don't know, fifty uh, percent of the passing snaps as opposed to maybe twenty five percent. Been around last year? twenty, yeah. In terms of, I mean, not passing snaps, but yeah, actually, yeah, I think it has been around yeah. twenty of passing snaps. Yeah, I looked that up in our treasure trove of numbers at ESPN a few months back. And Hightower is closer to fifty percent. So if they were to jack that up a bit and move him around to different spots and have him rushing from different places, maybe he does end up having a great year and is worth signing to a long-term contract extension. But even as good as this team is with the cap, it does seem like someone has to be odd man out here, right? I mean, signing I all so. of them seems like it's a, that's a pretty tall task with as much talent as there is here. Especially when there's going to be a quarterback contract in this mix. Yeah, that's the key thing, yes. So if we had to, I mean, Matthew, you mentioned Barr, Judd, if one of these guys, if, if you just say at some point, hey, this is too much money to keep everybody, yep. who gets voted off the island? Oh, I, would, I honestly wouldn't dismiss, since the head coach is such a defensive guy, I wouldn't dismiss it being an offensive player. Stephon Diggs? To be honest with you, yeah. I mean, you could, listen, you know that there are certain positions, and I think it's, this is true, especially offensively, where you can find players. And, and if you get the quarterback conundrum solved, so now if you have a quarterback who can make players look good, guess what? Th- that trickles down. I mean, yeah. a guy like Diggs, and I, I wouldn't – I'm not saying I'd advocate for that, but knowing how these guys think, knowing that the head coach is going to be loathed to say, okay, Barr can go if Barr's playing well, I would not be shocked if the answer comes from the offensive side of the ball and comes from a position that's seen as expendable. Yeah, I mean, you still need a guy, though. 
I mean, well, sure, is Adam Thielen the guy? I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just. I'm just hypothesizing that it might be with the makeup of this franchise. It would be surprising if they allowed a defensive guy to walk. I could see them continuing to pay those guys and yeah. try and trying to cheat from offense. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I think there's certainly a, a decent possibility of that, especially given how they're constructed. I think what you would normally say in this situation is, well, if Laquan Treadwell something, 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 yeah. then they could move on from Diggs. But that would be if Laquan Treadwell had just had an okay first year yeah. yep. instead of a not three targets. Right, catastrophic first year. So now that's not even a part of the conversation. Yeah, I mean, progress for Laquan Treadwell at this point probably is just kind of getting back to what a reasonable, I mean, the, the 40 catch, 600 yard or 550 yard type season that we probably all thought he would have last year. Yeah. I mean, that would be a, a pretty good sign of progress, I think, in year two, but that's kind of what we expected in year one. Well, yeah. I mean, when, when a guy, when your first round pick is targeted, not receptions, targeted three yeah. times, that is mind-boggling. Yeah. I mean, I don't care what anybody says about, oh, he was hurt and you just didn't know it or this Healthy or that. Healthy for long enough to get one of the three targets. Exactly right. I mean, when you are basically eliminated as an option, that says a lot. So, yeah, that's – in fact, among the training camp things, and there's going to be a lot that goes on down here, which is going to be, you know, okay, great, blah, blah, blah. But among the training camp things, I think that I'm curious to see is when they put the pads on, how, how does Treadwell look? And, I mean, this comes down to his routes – but just because this is going to be the one thing is there is not going to be a practice where you're going to say it's no big deal for him. Everything to me from the first practice of camp through the season when it comes to Treadwell is going to be intriguing because this is either a massive bust of a pick or a guy that, that just had a really bad, disappointing year and can come back. So as we get into the first practice here, the first full squad practice uh, is probably – at this point, it starts in about a half hour. What are you guys? <laughs> what are you guys most interested to see over the course of the next week? Judd kind of cut that off at yeah. the beginning to almost make it sound like he was uh, uh, passing along some of the after effects of those those Weggies hash browns he probably had this morning. <laughs> it was just sound effects. Yes, the Vikings. No, they were, the they were skull, definitely sound effects. The skull horn. That's why I let you do it again, just so that uh, we can make <laughs> yeah, it. Just so that's what it was. We were not. Okay. Trying to make this a smell of vision podcast. Nope. What are you guys most uh, interested in uh, seeing, hearing, smelling uh, at training camp? I don't want to smell anything down here. <laughs> no, don't make me. That's why I got a cold so I could smell proof my nose. I mean, first for me is probably Delvin Cook. That the hype around him is reasonable, which usually for a, a second round pick, you would say. Man, if you're asking a second-round pick to be a huge part of your offense, but this is a different kind of second-round pick, a guy that many had as comparable to Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette, guys who were taken in the first round, which has become a rarity. And his skill set is so interesting because he can do so many different things. He's going to have to learn to pass block, but he is an interesting player because he's got an opportunity to not only win a starting job, but to become the centerpiece of the offense. How rare is that that a second round pick has a chance to be your main part of your offense but not just the adrian peterson way of pounding up the middle or right. trying to break off big plays but in the Lashawn mccoy Le'Veon bell type of way david johnson type of way 
he is that type of talent, and I think usually with running backs, it emerges pretty fast. You don't have to wait very long for running backs to figure out if they've got it or not. He's number one on my list. I know that there's a lot of interesting positions to watch, who's going to win the job, weaknesses is what we usually think of here. But I'm focused on that backfield and uh, Jarek McKinnon, where he's going to play, how they'll use him. I'm, I'm looking at that a lot throughout camp. I've got three things. Treadwell is one to me. Um, center is two. I'm cu- I'm curious about that. Elfline, I thought w- would be the backup to start. I'm not positive of that now. And uh, my third one is the three technique. And I'm not kidding. Here's why. To me, that that position in Z- in Zimmer's defense is a key position. Yep. And, and they're going to throw a lot of bodies at that position. But my question is, okay, are you throwing quality or because we, we saw offensive line last year was the same thing, right? Oh man, we're you know we built up all, all these guys. Well, you did, but were you throwing quality there? So the uh, the three technique to me, I'm very very curious there. Yeah, my I guess the one I'm most interested in is corner because Mike Zimmer said this morning that he still sees Terrence Newman as a corner. He, I mean, he he said he could play the nickel, he could play safety at some point, but when he said corner, he made it very clear that that means outside corner in his world. So what does that look like for Trey Waynes? Does that mean we're still in some kind of rotational thing? Is, is he just thinking of Terrence Newman as a good third corner that I can play if I need to if somebody gets hurt? I want to see if they feel like Trey Waynes is ready to take that step. And then he got asked about the nickel spot this morning, and he he was about to, to I think, kind of come after all of the uh, Mackenzie Alexander worry warts, I guess. But then he stopped. Yes, Judd is raising his hand, and and you certainly would be uh, at or near the top of that list. I think it's certainly a, a a concerning spot given what we've seen in recent years here. Part of the reason I think that Mike Zimmer got this job. That that defense was so bad the year before he got here, and in a large part of the reason that defense was so bad was they tried an experiment with a young guy replacing a veteran at knuckle corner, and it blew up in their faces. So when he got asked about that this morning, he stopped short of saying something else, which is always kind of interesting when he does that. He had one of those Zimmer pregnant pauses, and he goes, we're going to be fine at knuckle corner. So, well, you know, that uh, like, are you? I mean, here's what I, I want to okay. see that play he, out. Here's what drives me slightly crazy about that, and, and I understand. Okay, the guy is a very good coach and a position coach. He's really good. Okay, so I totally get his confidence in himself to build up that position. But that being said, Ben, you're exactly right. I mean, okay, so you're guaranteeing me of that because yeah. we're not talking. And and keep in mind. He helped the transformation of Xavier Rhodes, his first year as coach, but that team had no expectations. Right. I mean, if Xavier Rhodes worked, which he did, it was great. Yes. But if he didn't work, you're like, okay, that's too bad it didn't work. Um, are you really positive that you're fine with a young player who did not have a good year last year and who you admitted was headstrong playing a really important position, which, by the way, is tough to play? And are you really confident that he is going to succeed in a year in which you have big expectations that's where i'm with you on i mean this to me is one of those spots where mike zimmer has a chance to differentiate himself i mean certainly did it with xavier rhodes leslie frazier only worked with him for a year and we should i mean leslie frazier as as much as he's derided around here was a starter on the what i think most people would say is the greatest defense of all time the 85 bears his defensive backs coach joe wood is now that joe joe woods is the defensive coordinator for the broncos so there was some pedigree there with that coaching staff as well. I don't think it's as good as this staff, but that group kind of gets 
kind of remembered as, oh, it's just a bunch of schlubs and they didn't know how to do anything. eh, Not necessarily true with that defensive back group. But if Mike Zimmer can get a young guy to play that position and play it well in year two, that is certainly a pelt on his wall in terms of this reputation that he has as the defensive back whisperer. And if, if he's able to get Mackenzie Alexander to work out, more power to him. It certainly is a spot that uh, I think a lot of their success is going to ride or fall on that. And uh, if he can make it work, he deserves the credit for it. What's the contingency plan if it doesn't is what I want to Terrence know. Newman, I guess, right? Terrence Newman. I guess it's Terrence and, Newman. And has he played there before? Uh, I mean, I, I realize he's camp, a I guess. savvy veteran, but, you know, I just, Ben, I always come back to the fact that it's a position that is basically a hybrid of corner and linebacker. Yeah. And, and like, there seems to be this notion, well, you're a corner, you can go play that spot. And we, we've seen it played in this town very well by a couple guys. It's a unique position. I mean, it's not – It's just because you've had success on the outside doesn't mean that you can go inside and be okay. We've seen it played well by two guys recently that they let go yep. in free agency. The first time they did that, it backfired very badly with Josh Robinson, and we'll see what happens the second time. But, yeah, it, I mean, Newman is the – is a contingency, and I mean, I suppose you could try Trey Wayne's there. Although Zimmer, I don't think, Ooh. is crazy about that idea. And uh, I think eventually you need to see if Trey Wayne's can be your your left corner. Probably has happened this year, but um, yeah, there's there's not a lot of sure things there. It's kind of interesting to me that Zimmer contradicted himself <laughs> slightly with comments about cornerbacks. Maybe he was just really ticked about how it went with the first day with the rookies, but. He said that they wanted still more players. Yes. Which made me think, all right, well, there are five cornerbacks or so that are still on the market that can play, or defensive backs, whichever way you look at it. So maybe they're looking at bringing in another veteran after seeing some of the guys who are depth. I mean, Jabari Price is basically first man up outside of those top four, and he's never played. And then behind him is two guys that – uh, just switched positions, basically. Trey Roberson and Terrell Sinkfield. Yep. And then Two former offensive you players. have Horace Richardson, who's an undrafted guy. That's your yeah. whole depth right now. I th- still think they could get a week into this and go to the free agent market and pick up a guy or two. There are still five or six players. I listed them on whatever story I posted that, you know, Corey Graham's a guy I've brought it to you a handful of times that are still out there that don't have jobs yet, even Darrell Revis, though I don't think that that's likely. But guys that are still out there who have a lot of experience playing different positions, corner safety, that they could use because even at the safety depth, the fact that Terrence Newman's name even gets mentioned as safety depth really tells you about those guys behind Sendejo and Smith. There's a bit of like a Denny Hawking thing with Terrence Newman. Like, oh, we can just plug him in anywhere. He can, he can fit in and, and See, I compared we'll him to fine. Nick Punto. Yeah, I mean, Denny Hawking is both fine with that. Denny yeah. Hawking is Nick Punto before Nick Punto. Denny Hawking, I think, did yeah. he once play all nine positions in one game? Oh, I have no idea, but he <laughs> probably he did. did. But yeah, that, that's perfect. Yeah, it, it's like Terrence can do that. Terrence can do this. Yeah, I, I just, I just wonder if they they are going to come to regret the fact that when Captain walked, that they didn't say, okay, we've got to we've got to go get a veteran guy because I keep coming back to the fact that the nickel's a starting position. Yeah, and it's a key one, and you guys know as well as I do that week one, Drew Brees is going to come out and, and drill that spot. I mean, yes. he's, there's going to be pass after pass after pass. And with the uh, litany of quarterbacks that the Vikings face to start the season, if, you, if you're 
nickel corner is a weakness. You could be one and two, zero oh and three, one and three, really quick. Well, and I remember the last time. I mean, you talk about early opponents. Week two, Ben Roethlisberger. The last time they yes. played, Ben Roethlisberger was in London when Josh Robinson was early in that run as the slot corner, and Roethlisberger came after Josh Robinson. And you know, guess who's guess who he's going to put in the yeah, slot? Why, Antonio Brown. And why wouldn't you have yes. fun? I mean, yeah, it, it, we're going to find out very quickly if that spot is going to be fine, as Mike Zimmer said this morning, or if it's going to become a problem. Because they, they're going to have two guys right away that put it under a spotlight and see where things go. Anything else? I don't think I have anything, else. A, anything else on your list. I'm emotional right now. Do you guys now. want to kill me off like we did with Kramer ben, last year? How, how, well, how I don't do want to kill you off. Do you want to die? Well, <laughs> or do you not want to die? Well, you know, I, I, I think uh, this is emotional. Say goodbye. I'm, I'm being uh, beamed up, I guess, to the 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 HMS Access Vikings or something like that. Is he trying I was to promote his sure. new podcast? No, I was on it a long time. Already? Just sharing where I'm moving. I was on it, <laughs> and I'm not sure what's it called now. Uh, I think it's Access Vikings. Okay, Access really Vikings was not the podcast. It, yet. it was the videos oh, okay. that, um, that we did, and I hope you will return with those. Yeah, I hope we do too. Just so I can't, I can't hug Kramer anymore, though. Why not? Well, he's he's already told me it would be, I think, in his his view, an HR violation. So <laughs> he's he probably to, right. Uh, actually, probably okay, Ben. Well, behave on that front. This is still sad. Here, here's how I look at it. Um, there was an episode of The Twilight Zone where an alien comes down and convinces everyone that he's going to make the world better, that he's going to solve all disease and hunger and everything else. And uh, that there's a utopia that people can travel to on Mars or something, right? So he convinces everybody, and they get in the spaceship, and then they realize that they're bringing all the people to their home planet to eat them. Oh, I've seen that one. Yeah, that's a great episode. Mm. So, sorry, Ben, that's the way you got to go. Well, you're going in a spaceship to be eaten by aliens. The the only Twilight Zone reference I ever think of is the one from Wayne's World, where uh, Benjamin is trying to get Wayne and Garth to sign this contract, and Garth pushes the pen on the floor so he can talk to the camera and he's like this is weird i mean why does this guy have contracts do you ever see that twilight zone where they the guy signed a contract and they cut out his tongue and it wouldn't die it's just they put it in a jar and it grew and pulsated and gave birth to baby tongues pretty cool huh i gotta go all right we gotta go i don't think that's a real episode it was i don't know if it was or not <laughs> it, it was referenced in, in a key scene of wayne's world yeah. which is my favorite movie and I think we should leave on that note. I get to quote it on my way out the door, and now I get beamed up to whatever thing that you said it is I'm getting beamed up to, and the Purple Podcast will live on, and, and we will, uh, we'll, you guys will get the next episode next week. and <laughs> We'll do something. And, uh, we'll, Mock we'll do you something mercilessly and, yeah, that's for your fun. new work. So tune into that. That should be fun, and we'll talk to you later. Hurry into Ram Power Days and experience the raw power of the Ram 3500 with available best-in-class torque and towing among 350-3500 pickups when properly equipped. Strap yourself in for one powerful ride in the Ram TRX with the most horsepower of any gas pickup ever built. Or the Ram 1500, awarded number one in driver appeal among light-duty pickups by J.D. Power three years in a row. Hurry into Ram Power Days going on now. For J.D. Power 2022 U.S. award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Did you know Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what did we learn along the way? Well, that an EV can take on the world, like the Nissan LEAF. It can move racing forward and take your breath away, like the all-new Nissan Aria. We learned to make EVs that electrify. 
8 billion miles driven by Leaf owners globally since 2010. Aria not yet available for purchase. Expected availability late fall. Subject to change.